That's the Mile High Hoops podcast with me, Zach By, powered by my friends at Superbook Sports. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops podcast with Zach By, presented by Superbook Sports on your home for the most Nuggets content. Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, and as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast, reacting to another Denver Nuggets W. This time, it was Saturday evening against the Utah Jazz, which was on the heels of a buzzer-beating shot on uh, was it Thursday evening in Portland uh, from Jamal Murray? We're going to talk about it all, but just like that, uh, the Nuggets on a, a little two-game winning streak after losing three in a row. And, you know, we've been coming on here and, you know, reacting to these, you know, sort of waves uh, during the Nuggets season, whether you're talking about for uh, Jamal, who I want to talk about specifically here in a second, or the team, and man, um, you know when we when we last uh, uh, popped on here last week, I, I was encouraging um, the listeners that we we have to be mindful of the marathon. You cannot freak out. F- full and I saw some full on freakouts, guys, <laughs> online. You cannot freak out um, over stuff that happens in December, in early December. At that, now it doesn't doesn't mean don't react to anything. These games matter, right? Um, But at the same time, be mindful and use wisdom uh, would be my suggestion uh, in terms of sweeping judgments. You know, who the Nuggets are, who they're going to be, what their ceiling is, what their floor is, who's a star, who's not. Like, these things, man, each of these games, and it's hard to do in the moment, right? And by the way, I'm talking to myself just as much as anybody else out there, because I get caught up in it too. But each of these games, uh, through the course of an 82-game season, think about that. These games like um, count between you know one and two percent of your schedule. So that what they are for me is they're like puzzle pieces that gets put on the table. Every night is another puzzle piece, and I, I know you've seen those. Um, what are they? Murals or I don't know works of art where. It's like a bunch of little, little tiny pictures of like Martin Luther King, and they're like itty bitty. And then they, and then you put them all together, and the artist. Then you take like ten steps backward, and all those little pieces of Martin Luther King create like the larger image that's actually Martin Luther King. Like that's like what an NBA season is. Each of these games is a little puzzle piece on the table. So while it was incredibly noteworthy. That the, that the Nuggets lost three in a row and how it looked and who stepped up and who didn't and what defense was played and what 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 defense wasn't played and all this stuff, right? Questioning Michael Malone. Like I, I see, like, I see people online saying, fire Mike Malone. Like, I hear even people at the station, like, turning the heat up on the Bunsen burner below uh, or underneath the seat of Michael Malone. It's like, hold on a second. Like, believe it or not, some of the best teams in this league have three-game losing streaks. So, you always try to... Um, I always try to use a little bit of wisdom with, with how we frame these things because then you turn around the next time we're recording, it, it's a two-game winning streak, and there's some real positives to take away. And I'd say Jamal, you know, chief among them. So, but we but we we have to be mindful, and I'll keep this uh, strictly to Jamal here, that 
the this is a season of waves and ups and downs for Jamal Murray. You think about like the last three weeks. We came in here talking about, oh my gosh, this guy just shot like 66% uh, against the Houston Rockets. Like, is that a runway for the rest of the season? And then he comes in and has like an 11-point game and really struggles in a separate game where he went for 18 but really struggled uh, uh, from the field. And like, holy crap, like, you know, Jamal is down. and He is down bad. And then you, you look, you know, 72 hours from those conversations, and he is hitting a game-winning shot on the road in Portland to a Trailblazers team that had been playing well and beat you by 25 earlier in the season. And just like that, it's like the number one moment of the year. And then to follow it up on Saturday night back at Ball Arena, Jamal Murray was absolutely fantastic. He goes for 30 points, shot 13 of 16 from the field. He was perfect from the free throw line, which I think is really uh, a, a, a low-key signature footnote that we need to keep our eye on. Uh, he had five assists. He was a plus 11 when he was out there. And you saw from the first couple of possessions in that basketball game on Saturday evening against Utah, a team that beat the Nuggets on opening night handedly. Now, I'll say a lot of guys weren't there that were on opening night. and We'll get to that uh, theory or philosophy in just a second on playing the B team. But um, you could clearly see... Jamal Murray parlayed what happened on Thursday night in Portland into the first, second, third, fourth, fifth possessions of the game on Saturday evening. And he was just feeling himself. The confidence was cranked up. Um, he had a he had a, a layup. This is the first couple minutes of the game. He had a layup coming down the right side where Jokic broke him off with a bounce pass on time, on target. Simple, just like lay it up on the right side. But he had complete control of the ball, and he, like, wiggled it around in front of his face and decides to go under the hoop and, you know, just, like, make it, not a trick shot, um, but just make it, like, crank up the degree of difficulty. But it wasn't difficult at all at the same time. It was like one of those. And when I saw him, I'm like, oh, he's 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 feeling himself a little bit. He's He's got some of that swag back. So it was just awesome to see going to the step back, going to the mid-range. Uh, it was just really fun finishing around the basket. He was doing it all. Uh, on Saturday evening. So really like what I saw. He started the game 4-4 and never really slowed down um, from there. So absolutely love what you see. But 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 uh, but uh, 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 a caution myself at the same time as the listener is like, this is not going to be every night. It's not. It's just not. And by the way, let's peel the layer of the onion back even further. Jamal... The reason that he has not been an all-star in his career is because of that C-word, right? The consistency. We've talked about it for years here on this podcast, for years. Like, the, the, the same questions that we had about Jamal leading up to the injury, and now here even after the fact, but for different reasons, right, post-injury. Um, but even leading up to the injury, we were having the same questions, of, or, or not questions, but same conversations, about Jamal and the consistency factor that we used to have with Jokic. Where it's like, we knew Jokic could give us a triple-double on a Tuesday night at home against Washington. Can you do it the next night in San Antonio? And then the next night in Dallas. Like, And I'm not saying triple-double per se, but just the performing every single night. That's the difference between a lot of these NBA guys and NBA stars. It's, it's, it's the consistency of it. So um, it, it's one of these things where... Although it is wildly encouraging what we saw, I would caution you with the Jamal is back conversations because 
We we talk after you know um, the um, you know you know p- p- pick a stretch. It's like after the Houston uh, mini subset. It's like uh, Jamal Murray's back, um, and 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 I'm, I'm I'm like coming on here saying I think he might be back. Is he back? Yeah, kind of. That felt like he's back, but is he all the way back? No, probably not. But is this a step in the right direction? Like we're going to continue to have these conversations until we don't. Because eventually, with the Jokic thing, we just stopped having those conversations. We we just stopped because it was no longer it was no longer relevant. Um, and we'll and we'll have those conversations about Jamal until they're no longer relevant. And by the way, like even after the bubble and everything that happened in the bubble, right? And Jamal Murray's like the darling of the NBA. That next season, he came out of the gate still slow. Everyone was ready to thrust him into the All Star game, but it was the lack of every night nature that personifies all-stars is still what Jamal is missing. So um, he's had some games, man. He's, he's had some games. I remember, uh, the, the, so we reacted to the Houston game. We had 31 followed by 26. Like, sweet. And then it's like, oh, he scores 11. And then he has a separate game where he's like 6 of 17 and then 8 for 21 from the field or whatever, whatever, whatever. But then he hits a game-winning shot, and then he has 30 again. Expect the ebbs and flows with Jamal Murray moving forward. That's all I'm saying. All right? He's not a finished product. He's coming off the injury. He's going to have nights where he struggles. But what you hope is that these nights like Portland on Thursday night, Saturday night against Utah, um, that just they just become more, more of a regular thing. But until they do, we're going to continue to talk about some of the up-and-down nature um, of Jamal Murray. So uh, I mentioned the B team, like, this is a Utah team that's way better than expected. This is a team that was supposed to be tanking. But, you know, they got dudes who play at a high level. And you're talking about like a Lori Markkinen who's having like a brilliant season, averaging over 22 points a game, like nine rebounds. He's been great. Um, you know, Jordan Clarkson and, you know, Mike Connolly, veteran, like those guys didn't play. So you you were, you were it almost felt like a, a Nuggets, you know, inter-squad scrimmage from, you know, a couple years back where you got, you know, uh, Beasley out there and, and Vanderbilt out there. Um, but but I'll say this. Those are some of the toughest NBA nights. They shouldn't be. They don't make sense to us sometimes as fans. But I remember listening to, it was like the Bill Simmons podcast, I think. And I think he was relaying a story that um, he was sharing about a conversation that he, that he had with uh, Greg Popovich years ago. And he said that Popovich told him, it's like, you always want the other guys to play. You always want the other team's best players to play. You can't be anxious and looking forward to a night where the other starters don't play because your guys, your guys will react to that. And you want your guys going up against their guys because you're going to get maximum effort. And I just don't believe, I just don't believe that we saw Nuggets maximum effort for four quarters, I thought we saw it defensively for the last few minutes of the game. It was good enough to win. That's great, right? That's the big takeaway is that you beat a team that you were supposed to beat at home. But when you when we're talking about habits and championship habits and 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 teams that truly believe that they're bona fide contenders, is that their approach? And that's a question I'm going to continuously ask about this team because I don't know yet. I, I thought I did. I thought I did, but. You want to know what that game was? What was it like? One? What was it like? One ten? One ten with like a minute left, and Jokic, you know, who was just brilliant. Let, let's give him his flowers. He was just freaking brilliant on Saturday night. Jokic, uh, thirty-one points, fourteen assists, twelve rebounds, 
One of those assists was uh, uh, to Bruce Brown diving down the center of the floor. Let's keep our eye on Bruce Brown, by the way, because he's kind of come back down to earth a little bit. Was super, super, super bullish on him. Still am in terms of big picture fit, but he's, he's come back down to earth a little bit. Let's keep our eye on that. But Bruce Brown comes down the middle of the lane, um, gets a two-handed dunk to take a lead. Um, but, like, that game could have been in jeopardy, right? Like, you're looking at, like, the next thing you know, like, Jamal's a four-point play, and this and that. Guys continue to make shots and finish, and it's like, oh, we're in a coin flip game. And then, and then some of the reaction is, well, yeah, you, you, the Nuggets just turned it on when they needed to, and, and they win. Well, okay, well, I was just present for a game against the Detroit Pistons when they didn't have two of their three leading scorers, and they're one of the worst teams in the NBA, and they're coming into altitude, and the Nuggets screwed around for four quarters, and, and they, found, they found out, right? That's what they say, F around and find out. Like, they, they found out. So let's not act like, like, you know, it's like, oh, I always knew the Nuggets were going to win. And if that was your mindset, whatever. I'm not going to tell a fan, you know, what his thought process is. But I know for me, I've seen enough of those where I was like, yo, are the Nuggets really going to lose this game? Are they, are they really going to lose this game without, you know, uh, uh, Jordan Clarkson and Marketing and Sexton and, and Connolly? Like, is this going to happen? Because it felt like it, it was going to uh, for a minute there. It didn't. That's the big takeaway. Here's, the, here's really the bottom line, even further. No one will remember this game. It was, it was largely unremarkable. Um, we'll remember the shot in Portland, though. We'll remember the shot in Portland because I think it's a snapshot right now of the the highs of the high so far um, of of this Nuggets season. And hopefully we have more material to work with uh, as we continue down this road. But was really happy for Jamal, man. Was really happy for Jamal uh, at the end of last week to have that moment. Right, that's a moment. You just don't know what that can do uh, for someone's inner confidence. And, and we saw that uh, we saw it in the very next game. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if Jamal can keep. Keep that moving forward. Um, what else here? Aaron Gordon. Dude, how, how, I, I got to look this up because I'm sure he's still leading the NBA. Um, NBA dunk. Listen. Da, 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 da. Um, see if I can find this here. If, if Aaron Gordon isn't leading the NBA in dunks, I, 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 need, to see, um, I need to see who is. Because it feels like Aaron Gordon gets legitimately between four and six dunks a night. Like, it's it's unbelievable how often this guy, and he's obviously a freak athlete, and a lot of it is him, like getting himself to uh, the front of the rim. Um, and a lot of it's Jokic, right? Like, you saw him, you saw, what a beautiful play there. It was, in, I believe it was in that first quarter, definitely first half, where Jamal Murray comes to the right elbow. Um, well, I should say left elbow, if you're looking at the possession from half court. He comes to the left elbow, uh, uh, Back screens, uh, Aaron Gordon's man. He goes to the rim. Jokic over the top for an alley oop. There's a separate play where Aaron Gordon is in the right corner, cuts baseline, just finds open space. We talked about this in the last episode. Like the best thing that ever happened to Aaron Gordon's career is playing side by side with Yoke. Period. Like, and you see it every single night. Every night, cutting to the hoop on time, going back door on time. It's just um, it's uh. It's it's awesome. It's so fun to see uh, the full buy-in. Like that's what it looks like when an elite athlete fully accepts, you know, everything. Jokic playing alongside Jokic and the dividends is just nightly, man. <laughs> nightly, it's unbelievable actually. Um, how often that guy is uh, is throwing it down for two. Um, okay, what else here? The Nuggets now go to sixteen and ten. They're six games above five hundred. 
following what was like the most brutal month in the NBA from a travel standpoint. We talked about it throughout the month of November. We previewed it in October, and now we look back on it in December. There should be a real opportunity here uh, for some for some homemade W's, okay? In the month of December and even in January, the Nuggets play a lot of home games, starting with Washington on Wednesday night, so they get a couple days off. Word is that they're going to practice, okay? Um, we'll see. I mean, rest up. I'm I, Like, you should come out and blow the Wizards out, you know, and it's the Nuggets, so they'll probably be in a one-possession game with 40 seconds left. But with some rest, with some tinkering here and there, uh, that should be a W at home. Then they go out and play the Lakers, actually, on Friday night on national television on ESPN, followed by Charlotte, who is awful, uh, followed by Memphis, followed by Portland, followed by Phoenix, all at home. So let's see here. One, two, three, four, five of the next six games are at Ball Arena. Opportunity to catch your breath, unpack your suitcase, make a couple of adjustments um, on the floor uh, in, in a practice setting, which is sometimes very unusual for a um, for in the middle of an NBA season, but that's what they're going to get. Um, and um, yeah, and we'll go from there. But your six games over five hundred coming out of this thing. Um, it's going to get better from here. It's never going to be as bad as it was in that month of November. So really, really encouraging. Um, it was good to see KCP uh, knock down some shots. Um, if you look at just the average uh, of, of his from three, um, you know, you're going to love what you see. Uh, but if you're actually watching the games, he actually had a few, uh, a stretch of about like a week and a half where things just weren't going as well for him um, up until the last, I think it's two, maybe three games. Um, but you're seeing his shots fall again from the corner. It was a really fun one where I think it was Aaron Gordon who tried to enter it from the top of the key in a high-low um, uh, pass. And the defender actually got a finger on it. It kind of bounced around, and Jokic just taps that thing out the, to the corner for KCP. Nothing but water. Uh, love to see it. Uh, like I said, he was 3 for 6 for 15 points uh, in that game against Utah on Saturday night. Um what else here? Oh, uh, Christian Brown. Although nothing remarkable from him, and the plus-minus wasn't good, I still I'm still a firm believer that that guy needs to play every single night. Uh, he was good in transition once again. He had a play in the first quarter actually where he dove headfirst for a possession um, that I don't even think I, I don't even know if he saw what was going on. Like the ball was um, was not tipped. It was going to be a backcourt violation on Utah, but he didn't know it, and he just goes full speed and dives face first into the floor like Dennis Rodman would in a playoff game. And that's the exuberance that that kid plays with right now. I just couldn't be a bigger fan. He's not a perfect player, but he's like an eight at everything. Um, and I just, I'm just, a, I couldn't be a bigger fan. Um, Bones Highland um, struggled from the field uh, from two, made some threes. He was three for seven from distance. Uh, was not impressed at all with DeAndre Jordan. Um, he continues to be just like a meh for me. Um I was watching Rudy Gay on the other team, um, and he is one of my favorite college players of all time. Uh, he was just so good at Utah when he was young and spry. But he kind of reminded me, he's like the Jeff Green of the Jazz, where Rudy Gay is uh, 36, maybe 37 years old. I think uh, he's 36. Uh, Jeff Green is 36. Um, both, you know, highly touted prospects. 
come in the league, kind of settle into their role. And now you look, it's been like a decade and a half. And, I mean, uh, Rudy Gay was with Memphis, what felt like forever. Uh, then he was with, uh, gosh, it was, uh, was it, um, uh, goodness, was it Toronto? And then it was like Sacramento. And then Utah. Uh, he's just bounced around, but a long time in the league. Like these guys who come in the league when they're 20 years old and they're still there when they're 36, not at the role that they were originally drafted for, but like settling into, you know, a veteran off the bench type of role player. I think there's a lot of parallels between those two um, bouncy dudes. Uh, I'd say Jeff Green's probably a little bit more bouncy these days than Rudy Gay. But back in the day, hey, pull, pull up YouTube and watch Rudy Gay's bounce in his prime. That dude could fly. Back in the day. Um, all right. I think that will about do it for now. Oh, um, w- one more thing I wanted to mention about uh, Jokic here. Been talking uh, uh, last episode. Mention how Jokic is. Um, he looks not as big as he used to be, but also not as skinny as he's been the last two uh, MVP seasons. Let's keep our eye on that. I don't want to be dismissive of that. He's playing great, okay? Great. Uh, He's coming off a a triple-double where he's tremendous, okay? And defensively, too. Four blocks. Um, He got the defensive chain, by the way, at the end. Uh, Didn't put it on. And it actually, that actually, um, it's such a little stupid thing there in the locker room after the defensive player of the game chain, right? Excuse me. I just got done talking for three hours and just talking continuously with no co-host catches up with me um mention this a couple episodes back what I'm about to bring up mention the weight in the most previous episode but I want to get back to what I mentioned two or three episodes back all right and I think it's a low-key big deal it doesn't look like Jokic is having fun it doesn't and he's the leader of this team I shared the anecdote um, uh, probably four episodes back now when I was at the Pistons game and he's on the furthest ring. He's on his own ring, like the rings around Saturn. He's the furthest ring outside the middle of the group. And he's got his hand on the shoulder of the most furthest person. Okay? This is, the, this is ideally your dude, your leader, your alpha dog. But he's not that. He's not, that's not his natural personality, right? We've actually talked about this for years, right? Um... But if you watch the Nuggets on a night-to-night basis, it's been a while since I saw Nikola smile. Think about that. It's been a while since I watched Nikola smile. Maybe I missed one, uh, but I don't think I did. Um, I don't know what's going on in Nikola's life. I don't know if he um, – I, I, I think I jokingly asked the question. I forget whether I said it on the radio show or here on the podcast. Are we sure Nikola loves basketball? <laughs> Get him around those horses, he grins from ear to ear. Does he love basketball? Is he connected in it with his teammates the way that you would hope a championship contender would? I don't know, okay? I'm not going to claim to know. But I do know some of the body language stuff, some of the nonverbal stuff, which is going to communicate louder than any word spoken. And you can see these little microcosms of, like, on the outside of the circle. He gets a defensive chain after the game, like, congrats, Yoke, let's go. And he just takes it, doesn't smile, doesn't put it on. That could have been a funny moment, right? If Yoke puts that on, it's like, even just does like a thumbs up or something corny as hell, stupid. Um, it doesn't do anything like that. 
Um, when he's out on, actually on the floor, it doesn't look like he's having fun. Uh, I guess maybe it doesn't matter. Um, but my my own my own like not it's not even basketball, just like sports integrity. Like I don't know, man. I think you should be having fun. This game is joyous uh, when you're playing it the right way, and when you're playing at a high level and you're winning a couple games and you're back at home and to not see a, a, a smile. I just think that's um, a little bit unusual, and I, I think it's something that we should watch. Not that it's going to be like problematic or something. But the most successful teams are often really, really connected from a human standpoint. And I just I just think it's something that we should monitor here uh, moving forward. So, um, all right. Uh, that's what I got. I hope you guys, uh, your week is off to a great start. I hope you're getting into the holiday season. I hope you're enjoying some of this uh, NBA basketball that is on my TV probably, gosh, four or five nights a week. There's some fun teams out there. Uh, to watch right now, um, if you haven't sat down and 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 watched the Celtics, uh, they look like a juggernaut uh, favored to win the NBA title right now. Um, they're dominant at home. They're terrific away. Um, they're really good. They're really good. If you haven't if you haven't sat down uh, and watched them, and obviously they played the Cel- uh, they they played the Nuggets and humbled them in a severe way. Um, but the Bucks are still the Bucks. The Cavs are reshaped and fun. Um, check them out. And how about the Pelicans? How about Zion? How about the little dust up between Zion and the? And it actually, it wasn't even between Zion. No one said bleep to Zion. Uh, but with the, that Suns uh, skirmish this past week, the Pels, man, the Pels, eighteen and eight. They've won seven in a row, nine of their last ten. They are really an interesting basketball team right now. Um, Memphis, still Memphis. They've won five in a row at the time of recording. Um, Nuggets figuring their stuff out. The Suns are right on their heels in the four seed of the West. The Kings are much better. We mentioned them in the offseason that they could be better um, this season. They make that trade uh, for for Kevin Herter. Um, they've been uh, much improved. I'm a huge Herter fan, hometown connection, known personally. Uh, root for that kid like crazy. But the combination of those guys, like Sabonis and Barnes and um, uh, Keegan Murray, uh, a herder, like I said, they're 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 interesting. Davion Mitchell, I mean, they're 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 an interesting team. They're they're coming up. Um, so yeah, the NBA is in a, in a unique place right now, and you really can't, and especially in the West, there is not really a team that's like that team, right? That, that it's just it's unsettled right now. What a unique window, considering where the Nuggets are at, where you hope that they're going, and the landscape of their conference. It's really interesting, and I, 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 I can, I can only hope that the Nuggets um, are fully cognizant of this and uh, approach this next month with a lot of home games, uh, with a sense of urgency and a chance to really propel them to the very top of the West. Because I do believe the Nuggets um, uh, could very well be the number one seed in the Western Conference if they continue to handle their business. So um, we talked about the the schedule coming up. It starts with the Wizards uh, at home on Wednesday night after a couple days off. They should handle their business. One road game, four straight home games. Uh, let's see. Let's, uh, let's talk about this real quick before we go. Um, Wizards, Lakers, Charlotte, Memphis, Portland, Phoenix. Opportunity to go should beat Washington, should beat Charlotte. Should probably take two or three if you really want to get where you're going. Uh, two or three against Memphis, Portland, and Phoenix at home. Um, the Lakers have been playing 
Uh, well, they they're coming off a win. They 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 strung together like when they they've won like five or seven, but they've stubbed their toe here in the last um, I'd say probably I don't know five six days where they lost three in a row before beating the Pistons. Uh, most recently, they have the Celtics on TNT on um, oh, is that tonight? Let me pull this up. At the time of recording, it's Monday afternoon. Like I said, just got off the air. Um, no, that game is Tuesday. Excuse me. So Celtics Lakers Tuesday. I think Celtics are going there and hammer the Lakers, um, but the, but the Nuggets should beat the Lakers on the road. So let's get back to our, our forecast here real quick before we sign off. So go four and two, go four and two, go four and two over your next six, heading into a, uh, a, a little, uh, quick road swing, uh, back to back in Sacramento. One of those weird, um, uh, away and away, uh, both against Sacramento. So, all right, we'll leave it there for now, guys. Uh, have a great rest of your day. Have a great rest of your week. We'll check in um, on Thursday, reacting to whatever happens at Ball Arena on Wednesday night against Washington, right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Mile High Hoops podcast, powered by Superbook Sports. Until next time.